J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 89 Jesus' Sorrow over Jerusalem Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35 The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out, and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures to-day and to-morrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk to-day and to-morrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee! How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings? And ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, ye shall not see me, until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Let us learn from these verses how entirely our times are in God's hands. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us this lesson by his reply to those who bade him to depart because Herod would kill him. He said, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow. His time was not yet come for leaving the world. His work was not yet finished. Until that time came, it was not in the power of Herod to hurt him. Until that work was finished, no weapon forged against him could prosper. There is something in our Lord's words which demands the attention of all true Christians. There is a frame of mind exhibited to us which we should do well to copy. Our Lord no doubt spoke with a prophetic foresight of coming things. He knew the time of his own death, and he knew that this time was not yet come. Foreknowledge like this, of course, is not granted to believers in the present day. But still, there is a lesson here which we ought not to overlook. We ought, in a certain measure, to aim at having the same mind which was in Christ. We ought to seek to possess a spirit of calm, unshaken confidence about things to come. We should study to have a heart not afraid of evil tidings, but quiet, steady, and trusting in the Lord. Psalm 112, verse 7. The subject is a delicate one but one which concerns our happiness so much that it deserves solemn consideration. We're not intended to be idle fatalists like the Mohammedans, or cold, unfeeling statues like the Stoics. We're not to neglect the use of means or to omit all prudent provision for the unseen future. To neglect means is fanaticism and not faith. But still, when we have done all, we should remember that though duties are ours, events are God's. We should therefore endeavor to leave things to come in God's hands and not to be over-anxious about health or family or money or plans. To cultivate this frame of mind would add immensely to our peace. 
How many of our cares and fears are about things that never come to pass? Happy is that man who can walk in our Lord's steps and say, I shall have what is good for me. I shall live on earth until my work is done and not a moment longer. I shall be taken when I am ripe for heaven and not a minute before. All the powers of the world cannot take away my life until God permits. All the physicians of earth cannot preserve my life when God calls me home. Is there anything beyond the reach of man in this spirit? Surely not. Believers have a covenant ordered in all things and sure. The very hairs of their heads are numbered. Their steps are ordered by the Lord. All things are working together for their good. When they are afflicted, it is for their profit. When they are sick, it is for some wise purpose. All things are said to be theirs. Life, death, things present and things to come. There's no such thing as chance, luck or accident in the life of a believer. There is but one thing needful in order to make a believer calm, quiet, unruffled, undisturbed in every position and under every circumstance. That one thing is faith in active exercise. For such faith let us daily pray. Few indeed know anything of it. The faith of most believers is very fitful and spasmodic. It is for lack of steady, constant faith that so few can say with Christ, I must proceed on my way today and tomorrow and not die until my work is done. Let us learn for another thing from these verses. How great is the compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ towards sinners. We see this brought out in a most forcible manner by our Lord's language about Jerusalem. He knew well the wickedness of that city. He knew what crimes had been committed there in times past. He knew what was coming on himself at the time of his crucifixion. Yet even to Jerusalem, he says, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? But you were not willing. It grieves the Lord Jesus Christ to see sinners going on still in their wickedness. As I live, are his words, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 11. Let all unconverted people remember this. It is not enough that they grieve parents and ministers and neighbors and friends. There is one higher than all these whom they deeply grieve by their conduct. They are daily grieving Christ. The Lord Jesus is willing to save sinners. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He would have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. This is a mighty principle of the gospel, and one which severely perplexes narrow-minded and shallow theologians. But what does the scripture say? The words before us, no less than the texts just quoted, are distinct and express. I would have gathered your children, says Christ, but you were not willing. The will of poor, hardened, unbelieving man 
is the cause why sinners are lost forevermore. Christ would save them, but they're not willing. Let the truth before us sink down into our hearts and bear fruit in our lives. Let us thoroughly understand that if we die in our sins and go to hell, then our blood will be upon our own heads. We cannot lay the blame on God the Father, nor on Jesus Christ the Redeemer, nor on the Holy Spirit the Comforter. The promises of the Gospel are wide, broad, and general. The readiness of Christ to save sinners is unmistakably declared. If we are lost, then we shall have none to find fault with but ourselves. The words of Christ will be our condemnation. You will not come unto me, that you might have life. John chapter 5, verse 40. Let us take heed with such a passage as this before us that we're not more systematic than Scripture. It is a serious thing to be wise above that which is written. Our salvation is holy of God. Let that never be forgotten. None but the elect shall be finally saved. No man can come to Christ unless the Father draws him. John chapter 6 verse 44 But our ruin, if we are lost, will be holy of ourselves. We shall reap the fruit of our own choice. We shall find that we've lost our own souls. Linked between these two principles lies truth which we must maintain firmly and never let go. There is doubtless deep mystery about it. Our minds are too feeble to understand it now. But we shall understand it all hereafter. God's sovereignty and man's responsibility shall appear perfectly harmonious one day. In the meantime, whatever we doubt, let us never doubt Christ's infinite willingness to save all sinners who come to Him for salvation.